Great. I'm sitting here with Marcin Kedilvich, and you're listening to the Jan Hofmann podcast. This is the fourth episode that you're listening to. Marcin, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone who is listening? Hey, Jan, and thanks for the opportunity and having me on your podcast. I really appreciate that. I appreciate you being a guest as well. So, yes, my name is Marcin Kedilvich. I'm the founder and the CEO of uh, Biami.io business where we 10x your business uh, performance by using our own uh, developed uh, automation technology. We're like able to automate and uh, bring those performance improvements within three different areas of your business. That's within your value proposition and operations and the growth. And again, yeah, thanks for having me here. So this seems like a lot of kind of umbrella things that you're doing. So which ones out of those would you say is kind of your bread and butter or are you kind of good at all of those? That's great. And this is a great question, Jan. And look, we have those three areas because it all comes from the experience. And we even didn't have all those three areas, you know, on the day one when we kicked off the business. But what we when we started to work with clients, we actually saw that there are certain areas that the clients are looking for that are complementary. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you talk about automation, everybody does automation today. And I think, you know, everybody will do automation, but various different types of automations in different areas. And we kind of focus, started to focus on more thing of it, the business performance aspect. So we work a lot with the data. We work a lot of, you know, KPIs, making things just better, smoother and kind of removing the roadblocks. So, you know, so we, we initially started working actually in operations. So think of it when you, you know, when you first you think of automations, it's like how you go to COOs or directors of operations that are like a small teams that have a lot of requests from, you know, the whole organizations. And then, you know, then you ask like, you know, what are the areas you can help them, you know, from a performance perspective, we look at it like what are the areas we can automate their operations. And then, you know, again, using our technology, we we run projects with them or very often they run their projects and we just support them using our own technology. Now, very often, you know, when, when you actually, you know, the next stage in the operations, Automation is, uh, you know, going further and exposing your internal services as a service across the organization. So your typical type of automations, what you want to do is you don't want to just run them, you know, as an automated background services or processes, but you want to actually expose it as a service. So if you're going to have a similar request from, uh, you know, similar types or similar parts of the business, you know, again and again, they actually don't need to come back to you. So you can actually, you know, you can expose those automations as a service and they can just come and request it and automatically that will kick off the automations and, you know, and help you deliver the services. So this is the area where we started to work on a value proposition automation because, you know, those automations you can expose internally as well as externally. So, you know, at some stage, if you're very good at doing your internal automation, you can actually, uh, you can extend it externally to first, maybe to partners later on, so to the clients, but you can actually create some value proposition with that. So that's how we created, you know, the the, the second bucket of, uh, of automations that we have today. And the third one we have is a growth. And that is completely an area that we actually didn't have on our roadmap at all. It actually, there is a story behind it that we, you know, we initially, when we set up the business, you know, we're looking at like, how are we going to 
like do the growth for our business? How are we going to do business development, sales, and so on? And, you know, being a small business at that time, we drew the picture of like, what are the systems you would like to have, you know, all to put together and kind of integrated. And we ended up with like more than a dozen of systems. So we said like, look for a small business that we kind of, you know, kicking off. There's, uh, it will be difficult for us to like probably dedicate a full-time employee just to build those, you know, growth systems, etc. But because we have automation technology, we actually initially started to like building our own internal, you know, automations for growth, initially for business development, later on for marketing, sales, etc. And, you know, and we kind of started to build that internally first. And then, you know, a couple of our friends and clients were actually asking like how we do this business development that we're so actually good at. So we kind of show them, you know, the automations that we build in, uh, for, for ourselves. And then they actually came and said, hey, we would like to use that as well. So again, there is a story that, you know, initially built for internal use, later on actually, you know, offer it for clients with, you know, building some dashboards and kind of management uh, you, uh, uh, um, applications like on top of our automation. So our clients are kind of, you know, use those automations, you know, as the platform now as well. So you know, if you can see, yeah, there is a story, the full story is we started with operations, then because we saw that there is a need and actually, you know, the clients need to expose the automations, we build a value proposition part and, you know, the growth in, internally. And very often when we work with, with clients, we see that those three areas are, are complementary. So very often we start in one, but then we end up with more than one, if that makes sense. Got it. Interesting. And what was your personal background before starting the company? Yeah, sure. So I started actually, you know, when I was in my 20s, I, I had my own business as well. And then I did a little bit of consultancy. That's how I actually ended up living here in the UK. And then, uh, you know, when, when I moved down here, I actually dedicated myself to help grow other software businesses, uh, both big and small. So think of it, I think the biggest business I was working with was, you know, just like a 5 million ARR uh, revenue. And the biggest business I worked with was like a 400 million ARR. So my roles were mix of uh, management, sales and partnerships. Uh, I would probably say, you know, partnerships were like, was like the biggest part but you know, then then kind of management roles, of course, and and uh, and a little bit of sales as well. Again, for various different you know software businesses. So you know, I know how to grow other businesses. And seven years ago, around seven years ago, I came up with this idea that you know, with with a new cloud, new architectures popping up, I think there will be a big opportunity, you know, for automations overall. And this is when I kind of started to work on an idea of Miami business. Makes sense. Got it. Okay. So it basically was started because you saw like an emerging trend happening seven years ago, right? That's correct. So think of it as, you know, you were born in Germany, you will understand it very well. You know, biggest soft, uh, software business in, in Germany, SAP, you know, a big software, mm -hmm. business process driven software, but, you know, kind of a big monolith, you know, from architecture perspective, not everyone can afford it and not everybody can like implement it for the use. But with the, with the cloud, with, with a sc new scaling architectures, you know, I just thought, okay, it would be actually a, 
opportunity to build those you know we, we first initially we call them like a micro process automations that you can run you know for every type of the business and you can like build very easily as well so you know yes that was really the idea and you know and uh, yes we were able to to build you know pretty good technology that supports it but now also have a like implementation framework and and labs we call them that you know for clients to actually be able to you know build build those automations uh, you know quite easily as well very interesting. So what initial challenges would you say the company faced and how did it overcome it? That's right. So look, first thing when we started is, you know, we didn't start with like blank piece of paper, you know, and just kind of, you know, move to the business. We were, I was actually building that technology for like almost five years prior to launching the business. So, you know, my approach to that was more that, you know, if I want to launch the business, I want to like have a higher probability of the success for the business that like most businesses have. So yes, first thing, you know, was kind of building the technology, then actually understanding how we can not only sell that technology, but how we can actually make our clients successful. And I think that was like the first biggest, the biggest challenge that we faced. So with our you know, internal, you know, just there was a, initially a small team of six, not everybody full time, you know, how are we going to, you know, provide a software support and, you know, initially a little bit of services as well to, to help our clients be successful. So not just buy our software and kind of use it, but make sure that their projects are, are successful. So, you know, that was like the first, I think, big challenge where, you know, initially we had an ideas on like how large enterprises do that and we try to like approach those processes you know into Miami so think of it you know initially it was you know let's talk about technology then let's do some proof of concepts you know for six months of proof of concepts and then after proof of concepts we're like trying to like define the projects and you know and build the uh, you know larger automations that's what what enterprise uh, clients do still today but that didn't work for us. So, you know, we just ended up with like a like a large number of like proof of concepts that, you know, as you know, are free of charge or, you know, clients don't pay like really big money for this. So, you know, it, it kind of wasn't very viable from, from a business perspective because we were just running those proof of concept, you know, six months, you know, another one, another one, another one. And yeah, yeah it was just t- taking a lot of resources but not really helping us with like, you know, getting the business off the ground. So that was the first uh, also, also that was a, a, a good big challenge for us on like, okay, we need to change and we have changed in the way that we said, look, instead of, uh, you know, instead of, you know, running big, big proof of concept, we actually came up with this idea of having an automation lab as a part of our proposition. So we started to sell like a monthly subscription for a lab where you have, you know, in lab you have mix of infrastructure, automation software, a number of hours to help you with like design and best practices for automations. And we started to like sell it, you know, even for proof of concepts. So, you know, instead of 
Again, instead of doing proof of concept, so you buy the lab, you get everything in the lab that you need, and you know, and and you know, you can you can start building, you know, get hands-on, start building, and you know, even if you don't have a technical resources, our software has you know two languages in it. It has business language and technical language. So even if you have don't have technical resources, you can actually start building and kind of designing your automation process and so on. And then you know, we were making sure that like we get paid from the day one. So that was you know a big big challenge. Uh, initially that turned into you know a big change in our business model as well there was a long time building the product in the beginning right because you mentioned was it five years it's almost five years and there were you know and and if i look at it is uh, i think that after a year and a half we actually had a version that we thought like we could run it and then we started to like testing this the scalability of the software because that's that's like you know very unique feature that our automation software like scales very very well and like after a year and a half of developing the software we started like tested like how to do this scaling and so on and we like came up with actually decision that hey we have to like redesign you know the very foundations of the software so we had to like start from scratch again but don't think like we were we were rewriting everything from scratch. There was a lot of like what I call, you know, copy and paste from development perspective. So a lot of, you know, we used, we reused a lot of, you know, software that we had, but uh, we, we we had to like uh, even redesign it, you know, completely from scratch, which uh, which then then kind of you know, help us with, you know, get the scalability and speed that, that, that we need for, for automation. Interesting. So you do both. So you manage the development staff as well as you handle the business development uh, on a day-to-day or? At the moment, we don't do uh, the services part. So we have decided, you know, alongside we started to build our services partner network. Yeah. So, you know, initially we had to do a little bit of services because, you know, if you enter the market, you want to like, uh, you know, prove to the clients that, you know, your technology works. Mm -hmm. So first number of projects we had to actually deliver ourselves, but, you know, always we wanted that to, we wanted to be more technology business, not the services business. So then we actually started to, you know, uh, outsource the services part. So think of it now, what we do is we still provide, um, some layer of services but you know those are more like how to design your automations or for the growth like how to run go-to-market workshops uh, or you know so so those will be like like introductory kind of workshops that that we do and then we do things like uh, reviews of the of your projects so you know so so giving you best practices and sharing like you know you know how we would do certain things so those are the type of the services that we do, but we don't do like implementation services. We don't do build anymore. Usually like, like depends on, you know, what area it is, but you know, if it's operations, you know, you come and you, if you have a technical resources, you need probably like two or three technical people to help you build those automations for, for business um, as well. If you don't have them, then we would like bring implementation partner who can actually do that and help you help you build that. Similar with the growth. So with our, you know, with our sales automations platform, business development automation platform, marketing, and so on, we also have the same approach. So, you know, we give enough technology, we can run some initial uh, workshops, but if you need uh, services, like if you need help with, 
like defining, you know, what is your target audience or defining your messages or messaging for the business. Like we wouldn't do that. We would actually like bring uh, our, our, what we call, you know, growth services partners to the table and they would offer that as external service. So what would you say are some like concrete examples uh, of use cases for the solutions that you are providing? Yes, sure, sure. So because we have those three complementary areas, we actually have those different use cases for each area. But think of it, you know, for operations, it's very, we focus always on performance. So we are very much like numbers driven business. When we start working with clients, we look at what sort of performance they have in a spe specific business area, you know, operations area that they, that you know, they want to work with us on. And we like, look at, okay, how do they perform today? And then we always call it as a 10X. So we say, okay, how can we build a path for them to improve the performance by 10X? And sometimes it can happen within a year. Sometimes it can happen within, you know, three years. But we we build that path and we start working with, with, with clients on it. So for the operations, it will be, think of it as, you know, having operations are very often like a small teams, you know, small teams, but supporting like a large amount of people, you know, across, you know, various different business units. Everybody's coming to them and kind of, you know, giving them those requests, you know, to do certain things, which uh, which makes it, makes their work like really, really hard. And they're like very often stuck with, with just uh, working on the requests that they get. So in those areas, we actually help those operations people to, you know, change mindset from being a task, task executors to managers of the workplace. We call it. So think of it as, you know, three, four people, you know, typical operations team. We look at that, like what they, what sort of tasks, you know, they do. Then we look at what parts of those tasks can be fully automated and exposed as a service, you know, internally. We start working with them to actually automate and then tell them like and teach them like how instead of execute those tasks manually how can they just manage those automations and more focus on what we call managing exceptions so you know if you have automations and it follows the process you know sometimes can be fully automated but sometimes you know part of the process you have what we call exceptions so like a person needs to look at certain things and kind of make the decisions so, you know, that changes the way people work because, uh, you know, instead of, again, just, just executing the tasks, just, uh, you know, building the reports or, you know, getting some reports and data for, for others, you actually build automations, you set kind of a new internal services for the business, and then you manage automation and exceptions. So that's like a very, very good example of like what we would do in the operations. Now, for the growth, we do similar similar things from a kind of overall perspective. So, you know, again, like for business development, for example, you know, like we have this platform called Intelligent SDR for intelligent business development. So, you know, again, we help those like people that do business development and SDRs to, you know, change from being just a, like a task executor to like manager of their workplace again. So think of it instead of all the people like, uh, you know, doing the outreach or, you know, or, you know, calling clients, you know, and emailing them, you know, all the time kind of, you know, working on actually writing those, uh, you know, those messages, kind of sending them. Again, we like help them with automating like up to 80% of their work. So, you know, we, we set up those engines where then later on, they like just manage the automations and work on the exceptions. So, you know, the parts of the processes that require like a manual input into it. I hope that makes sense. 
I see. So like what would be some examples of like pieces that, for example, for an SDR could be automated? Sure, sure. So think of it it's for the for for, for the SDR function or or you know, sometimes you know it's a bit higher as well, depends on the size of the business. But think of it, you want to enter a new market. Okay. Mm-hmm. In a traditional way, you know, for you to be able to enter a new market, like you know, let's say you want to start selling to the US. Okay. So you need to, you know, if you're if you have office in Europe, you know, normally you would think of okay, you need some investment, external investment to actually, you know, set up offices, you know, hire people, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then, you know, you know, our approach to that would be actually, you know, using our platform, you can 10x performance of an SDR. So what it actually means, those SDRs will have time to do more. So maybe you could like set them up in a way that they will spend now 20% of their time on managing, uh, you know, some sort of a European a European uh, business development that they, you know, still have. But you, you could actually dedicate, you know, a quite a big amount of their time to focusing on a new market without actually giving them like more work to do. You know, the performance will be better because... Because with our automation, think of it like, you know, uh, one person with our intelligent SDR platform can reach out up to like 500 new potential prospects. And it's, it, and the platforms can handle like up to 3000 conversations at the same time. Now, this is because of automation. So normally, if you would have an SDR, you know, you'd probably say, okay, one SDR is working in one area, focusing only, you know, on part of Europe. For, for US, you would need to like hire new people, et cetera, et cetera. Getting our platform, you can actually, you know, tell to SDRs, okay, do 20% for Europe, do 80% for, you know, for US. And because, you know, up to 80% of their work, like their outreach and their messaging and the conversations with prospects will be fully automated, then actually like, you know, that gives you you know, a lot of a lot of uh, kind of new possibilities, you know, for for the business. So you don't have to make those big, big, big investments, like prior to knowing that actually what you sell will work on the market and kind of, you know, you will be able to be successful there. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Got it. So it's basically about increasing their the productivity and then they can handle the exceptions. Um, so one common objection that people would probably have to this I would be curious to hear kind of your take on that as well, uh, would be that like it's kind of as a salesperson, like people are expecting to uh, be speaking to a human, right? So if they kind of find out that like in case they find out that it's uh, it's not, they might get quite uh, upset. So how like is there anything that can be done about this? And if yes, what I would be very curious about it. So area you're mentioning is actually very important and, and it's true. That's, that's the case. So, and, and we are working with, you know, with most of our clients are selling to like enterprise space as well. So very often if you sell to enterprise. Yeah. The relationship really matters. Yeah. Yes. You want that kind of, you know, personal touch. You, you want it to be a person than, than the machine. Okay. But look, there is a way actually to do it. So in our platforms, you know, bring uh, not just automation, but bring, you know, artificial intelligence to it as well. So actually think of it like, you know, everything that you do on the platform is designed in the way that the person on the other side cannot really recognize that it was, if it was a computer generated, the, com- the, 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 the person is not able to recognize that it was computer generated. Now, mm-hmm. yeah. 
we don't automate 100%. So think of it like up to 80% of work is automated. The 20% of work is still what we call a custom engagements, where you like SDR will have to actually look at it and provide, you know, like a completely custom answers, responses, and, you know, and and kind of, you know, maybe prepare a, a plan of attack for that specific, you know, account and, and a prospect. But, you know, there is a lot of automation that you can, you know, do, like, so, so people will, will not really recognize this. So think of it as, of course, personalized messages, you know, all of that is automated. A lot of like nurture stage is automated. And even things like this, if you're interacting with people on the social media, like LinkedIn, for example, and, you know, you, you ask them some questions or send them some messages and people give you what we what we say, like typical responses. So, you know, they just like reply with like thumbs up or, you know, sounds great, you know, type of responses. Like, you know, those are kind of you know, the responses that, again, you can actually recognize and then follow up in a fully automated way because like you know you would always respond to to those typical responses like in the same way so think of it you know our platforms are kind of intelligent platforms that again recognize what part of the processes can be automated and even if it's automated it still mimics people's behavior so you know it, it does follow the principles of like how a human how a person would do that job Okay, and then you know if if it can automate, then it automates. If it cannot automate, it throws it as you know, for ops we call it exceptions, or you know for for growth we call it like engagements where you know where actually a person needs to look at it and and then provide their their, their individual input. Interesting, yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting mix for sure because like if you really think about it, a lot of the SDR work can definitely be templatized. Do you do this with calls too, or just messages? We don't automate calls, but we do automate data enrichment for the calls. So think of it. So, you know, at the moment we support LinkedIn, email, phone channels, and there's a couple of channels, you know, on the roadmap. But uh, so digital channels, you can, you know, you can put more automations. But of course, for the calls, you know, there, well, there are certain areas you can automate. So, you know, one thing we always make sure that you always have the right data in front of you. That, that's where, where, where a lot of automation is being applied. So when you, when you're calling someone, you want to like call their, you know, probably selling to some senior people, you want to call their mobile phone numbers and, you know, have a good quality of, of the contact data. So we, you know, our process kind of our platforms like automate the data enrichment and kind of gives you those right numbers like in front of you. And then maybe what we would say is, you know, you can automate a little bit of dialing using what people call power dialers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So think of it not not just like, you know, manually like clicking on every phone number to kind of, you know, to make a initiate phone call and so on. But, you know, there's dialers now that like allow you to, you know, put like 10 or 20 numbers in a queue and it will like, you know, help you with uh, with uh, like dialing those numbers, you know, one after another, or maybe sometimes like three at the same time. So, you know, those are the, the areas where that you want to automate from your like phone outreach perspective. But of course, you don't want to automate like the, the phone call. You know, it's it's more automation for the phone calls is more for a, 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 what we call the customer success. So, you know, like post sale, but not really, you know, within like a business development. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Got it. 
Yeah, it's uh, there's a uh, empathy is a really tricky one, I think. But eventually, I think AI might catch on to it. <laughs> well, well, well. Think of it. It's about efficiency. So mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. even if you automate that 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 way that I told you, okay, you will be able to set up. You know, maybe for an SDR, you will be able to set up a block of like three hours. If the phone is your communication channel, you know, you can set up a a block of three hours, and with this, you know, data provided. And and kind of you know intelligent dialers within those three hours the people will actually do more calls and connect connect with more people than like the average sdr would do without those automations probably like within like two or three days so you know there are significant performance gains that you get with that you know you still talk to person but you know even sometimes just making sure that you know you provide all the data you book those slots for people to dial which puts sdrs in a, in a kind of good mood you know to go and do those outbound calls and kind of you know be able to sell instead of you know it, it, it works much better if you do it like you know three hours in a row and you have a lot of good conversations the outcome of this is much better than you you do the same amount of like contacts but you call it manually you know where you only get a pickup like once every hour or or maybe twice every hour so you don't actually have that many conversations you know and kind of you know then it 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 spreads across the day with like lunch breaks and all of that so yeah you you know all of those those elements actually impact the people's performance on you know how good they are with with execution of their of their sales calls so yeah you know the call itself you don't want to automate of course this is like a person-to-person conversation and relationship building exercise but just just like um, you know putting a a little bit uh, more organized processes around it give you like significant performance gains yeah yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to be regulated right because if if people have to be made aware that it's an ai calling Um, versus uh, is interesting. It is regulated quite well, well and, and you know we, we, we. Oh, it already is. Well, it is well specifically in Europe, right? Yeah, classic. Specifically <laughs> in Europe with the GDPR, you have that. You know, in the US, we 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 mostly work actually in in uh, Europe or North America region. So you know, al- although America's like have have the North America like US has different regulations, but they actually have a lot of technologies that can recognize if it is a cold call or not. So even with the, within the, the GDPR regulations, like, you know, they actually have a tech to tell you, like, you know, if you're calling, uh, you know, if, if if you're calling probably as, as a cold call or not. So, you know, they're, they're kind of, uh, you know, pretty good on the technology side. It will be regulated. But look, the best call is actually when it's not a cold call. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if it needs to be a cold call, then then make sure that your your value proposition, what you're selling to and, you know, the person you're reaching to are like very relevant. So think of it. If you're really, you know, selling something that people need and you're selling it to a person that has that need, it's actually great to receive the, the, the cold call. You know, the problem is where, because because people try to sell too generic value propositions to like very wide audiences I used to Eskimos, yeah. that just don't want to listen to them <laughs> and that, yeah. that just creates not a great conversation so that's where companies fail not because they make those calls 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Okay, good. Thanks again for being a call. Uh, I guess we wrap up here. Really appreciated you uh, being a guest and coming on. And yeah, maybe sometime in the future, we have another one of those, right? That sounds good. Yeah, and thank you very much for having me on your podcast. I hope, you know, my kind of insights were, you know, insightful for, you know, some of your listeners. And look, if anybody would like to work with us, go to our website, www.biami.io. It's like Miami with the B. Yeah. And, you know, just go, you know, have a look at what we have, get in touch, you know, we're the type of the company that really wants to like, is, want to help the clients, you know, we, we would like to share our experience, you know, even prior to like, you engaging in a contract. So yeah, do reach out to us if you'd like to build automations in any of those three areas, you know, using AI, we do have quite a lot of, you know, good experience that we can share with you. Perfect. Sounds great. And uh, yeah, thanks again and speak soon, right? Yeah. Thanks a lot. Have a great day and have a great day, everybody.